0: going to take a look at Luke chapter 7. Luke chapter 7. <clears throat> Luke chapter 7 verse 36. Luke chapter 7 verse 36. Everybody there? Ready? Got one more not ready? Okay. And here we go. Luke Chapter 7, verse 36 says, When the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and he reclined at the table. A woman in the town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house, so she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. She stood behind him at his feet weeping. She began to wet his feet with her tears, then she wiped them with her hair and kissed them and poured perfume on them. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Teacher, tell me. Two people owed money to a certain moneylender. One owed him 500 denarii, the other 50. Neither of them Had the money to pay him back. So he forgave the debts of both. Now, which of them will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. Then he turned towards the woman. He said to Simon, Do you see this woman? And the other guests began to say among themselves, who is this that even forgives sins? And Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you and praise you for your word. Lord, we thank you that um, as we gather and as we dig in, Lord, that you change us, that you shape us, that you mold us. Lord, that you take the time to help us grow, to draw closer to you. Lord, I pray this morning as we dig in, That's what will happen, and our hearts will be softened, and we will grow closer to you in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Real powerful story here, account of of this woman and her passion to be next to Jesus. In this account, we really have three different people in, in here that we can really get a lot of information from. You have the woman, you have the Pharisee, and you have Jesus. And we can all learn quite a bit from all three of them. One of my favorite things in this whole passage is is uh, when the Pharisee is talking to himself, as all of us do. He said to himself, "If this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is. That she is a sinner." The man who was talking to himself and then was replied to by Jesus—how absolutely terrifying! Right? To be in somebody's presence and you're thinking to themselves, yourself, and you're talking to yourself, and and you're not talking out loud. I assume he wasn't talking out loud. They didn't say he was talking out loud. And then Jesus replies to him. Jesus replies to the man, and he's thinking if he was a prophet, and Jesus goes, I am. I know what you're thinking. Sounds like some kind of weird, creepy movie. And it's one of my favorite things is... (laughs) It's just this idea that uh, in the presence of Jesus, we can hide anything, right? This idea we have in our head that in the presence of Jesus, there's, you know, we, can, we can hide from him. We can hide our thoughts. We can hide our motives. We can hide our sin in the presence of Jesus. And in all honesty, that moment right there encapsulates this whole entire account. This whole entire account with Jesus, this whole encounter with the living God is just that, that you can't hide anything from jesus the pharisee he's trying he's got all these thoughts about who jesus is and about who this woman is and jesus simply says hey let me tell you something about what you're thinking and for me that just sets this tone in my life and as i'm reading this account and, and as i walk day to day that there's nothing that is hidden from jesus there's nothing that is hidden from god but yet man do i try Man, I I put a lot of effort in sometimes to hiding things. You guys do that? Sin in your life, things you shouldn't do, things you shouldn't think, things you shouldn't say. Sometimes I should put a little more effort into some of the things I shouldn't say. But that happens, right? Or we just kind of let things out. But Jesus, and in his presence, welcomes all. This woman, when she hears that Jesus is in the Pharisee's house, she comes to him. And the Pharisee says, he's, if, if, if Jesus knew who he was, she is a sinner. It says she lived a life full of sin. So it says in verse 37, it says a woman in town lived a life, a sinful life, learned that Jesus was there at the house. It's amazing to me, this, this woman who had all this sin in her life was in direct contrast to the Pharisee. The Pharisee was trying to live his own life, trying to do his own thing, trying to hide maybe who he was, trying to put forth a good face, trying to... Say, hey, I've got it all together. I've got all the religious stuff down. I know what I'm doing, and everything is fine in my life. And you have the woman who is broken, who is sinful, and realizes who is at the house. And she comes with all of her sin into the house. If you want to flip over to Hebrews, <clears throat> it's Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14 says this. Everybody there? Great, thanks. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weakness, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. If you read that and just stop there, you might think, man, I don't want to go to Jesus. Jesus has experienced every single temptation I have in my entire life. He's experienced every hardship, every opportunity to sin, and yet he lived without no sin. But if you don't keep reading, you miss the best part. It says, let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Here, the, the woman, the sinful woman, the one who had everything going wrong in her life and everybody knew, Almost seemed like you didn't even need to be a prophet to know that she was sinful. I think she grasped this, that she could enter boldly into the throne room of grace. She could enter boldly into the presence of Jesus. And so she did just that. She brought all of her sin and she poured out everything she had. She didn't hold anything back. She cried over him. She wiped up the tears. She poured her perfume. She catered to his every. She was there in the presence with all of her sin. If you notice, she didn't come in and, <clears throat> and confess her sins and then began to do this. It says she just came in in the presence of the Lord and began to do this. And if you keep reading the story, you begin to realize there's two ways to view this woman that we see here, one is the way of the Pharisee, who is looking down upon her and saying, if he only knew, he would not allow this to happen. If he only knew who this woman was and the, the life she lived and the sin she had, for she is a sinner, he said. That's how he viewed her. He viewed her as somebody who had it all messed up, who had nothing going on, right, who was had all the sin in the world. You know, she didn't know Jesus. She knew who he was, and she was coming to him. <clears throat> but she wasn't professing to be a Christian. She wasn't professing to, um, to have him as Lord. She wasn't professing any of this. She was a sinner that knew here was Jesus, and she brought everything to him. And this Pharisee looks down upon her. It made me begin to wonder, how do I view people? We talked about this the last couple of weeks, and it's really been on my heart. How do I view those who are around me? <clears throat> in particular, those who don't know Jesus, how do I view them? You know, I, I think we often easily get upset by the outside world when they do crazy things, when they do sinful things, when they do perverted things, when they do things that just don't make any sense, that just just baffle our minds. We, we get upset with them. We get angry with them, and, and we begin to lash out against them. And we forget that they don't know Jesus. They haven't received Him as Savior. The things they're doing are wrong. The things that that they're saying are wrong. Whatever it might be in their life is is completely wrong. And sometimes I think we view them as Pharisees. Like, why don't you have it all together? Like, we're expecting something different from non-Christians than from being sinful and being sinners. We do it in our own own lives. I mean, even though we love the Lord and and we've given our lives to the Lord, we still have sin in our life. But yet, sometimes we're expecting the outside world to get all that right, to get it all right and then come on in, to get it all right and then come on to church, get it all right, come on into our house, get it all right. You can come hang out with us and have dinner. But then you have Jesus who is sitting in this house. He's relaxing, it says, at the table, and she comes in, and Jesus lets her. Jesus doesn't require anything of her doesn't require her to have a conversation with her, doesn't require her to clean up, doesn't require her to confess all the things in her life, doesn't require anything of her, and lets her in to his presence. And she begins to worship him, and she begins to pour out her heart to him. And I, as I read this, I'm thinking, gosh, how often do I do that? How often do I let just somebody come in as who they are? Sometimes I do. Sometimes I I get it right, and I I let people in. Other times, I'm I'm terrified of who I might let in, of who uh, who's coming into my house, or who what they might say, or what they might do, or or all these kinds of things. And I'm not talking about being ignorant. I'm not talking about being dumb. But I'm talking about being loving, and gracious, and merciful. Because that's what Jesus does here. He he doesn't worry a thing about that sinful woman. He lets her in. He's not afraid. He's not scared. He's not worried. He lets her in. And then he begins to confront the Pharisee about this. He lets her in, and and this girl begins to worship him. He says, do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears, and she wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss. This woman has not stopped kissing my feet since the time I entered. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, as her great love has shown. But whoever's been forgiven little loves little. She poured out everything she has, everything that she was, realizing that she was a sinner, crying at his feet, wiping them off, maybe even just embarrassed that that was happening, wiping them off. She brought everything, and Jesus showed mercy. Jesus showed grace. And that's what we're called to do. We're called to do both. We are called to boldly enter the throne room of grace and boldly bring all of our sin and everything that we have and all the messed up parts of our life right to his feet, knowing that he's going to show us mercy and he's going to show us grace and he's going to give us forgiveness and salvation from our sins. But we're also called to be like Jesus, to let those people in our life, to let them come with their sin, to let them come with their brokenness, to let them come with all the things that are messed up in their life. And speak grace to them and speak forgiveness to them and speak the truth of who Jesus is to them. Verse 48 says this He said, Then Jesus said to her, Your sins are forgiven. The other guests began to say among themselves, Who is this who even forgives sins? Jesus said to the woman, Your faith has saved you, go in peace. You know, if you read throughout the Bible, especially in the New Testament, often Jesus said this. When he healed people, when he's talking to people, he often said, Your sins are forgiven. Your sins are forgiven. You know, I was reading a few other verses about when, when Jesus healed people and he said, Pick up your mat, your sins are forgiven, go on your way. He did it a number of times. If you read that and, and, and just kind of take a few moments to, to think about what Jesus is doing there, He healed that person, took away their illness, whatever it might be, but He still spoke forgiveness over them. And began to wonder and began to understand, began to just think in my own life, that's what I desire the most. We often desire healing. We often desire to be you know, set free from something, you know, an illness or, or whatever it might be, an illness. Illness, like a beard problem? No. An illness? That's right. That's the right one. Okay. Is there like a like a ten second delay on the on the to correct those things? Jesus would do that, but then he would speak forgiveness over them. And what I realize is that's what I want most of all in my life. When I have when I've messed up and when I've embarrassed myself and when I've done wrong and I've had sin, what I want desperately is forgiveness. What this. This girl wanted, was desperately to be forgiven. Jesus spoke forgiveness to people all the time. And we come across people in our life all the time that have brokenness and and they think they're never going to be good enough. They think they've done too many things and they've done too many wrongs and what they desperately need is somebody to speak forgiveness to them. Somebody to tell them, Jesus will forgive you, I will forgive you. Somebody needs to speak that. Often in our own life, that's all we need is somebody to say, you know what, I know you messed up. I know you you hurt my feelings. I know you said something mean about me. I'm going to forgive you. Often what we need is just somebody to say, I forgive you. For Jesus to say, I forgive you. There is power in speaking forgiveness. I'm actually not sure if there's a much more powerful thing that we can do for one another than to forgive each other when we mess up. Because we can love each other and and hang out when everything is good. That's easy. We can love each other and love on each other. But speaking forgiveness to somebody is true love. Saying, you hurt me. Saying, you messed me up. You you, you hurt my feelings. You hurt my pride. Whatever it might be, to speak forgiveness is one of the most powerful things we can do. And Jesus did it often. And so this morning, I want to take just a few minutes if you want to stand, that would be great. Hey, Kelly, can you come up and play for a minute? I'm, I'm sorry. I didn't plan on this. <clears throat> but forgiveness does a, a number of things. One, it sets that person free, but it also sets us free. That if we walk in true forgiveness, what we do is we begin to set our heart free from that, the bondage just holding us to thinking about these things all the time, to thinking about how we're offended or how we're hurt and what's bothering us. But when we begin to speak that forgiveness, we begin to free our hearts to be more like Jesus. And so this morning, I just want to take a couple minutes. Where you are, you, you can come forward if you want and you stay where you are if you want. But I want you to take just a minute before the Lord and to think about those people that you might be holding on to holding on to a hurt or an offense, that you just haven't let go, that you've looked down upon, that you've said as Jesus only knew, that person is a sinner. Today, this morning, before we go any farther, and actually it's a great time right before we go to communion, I want to take just a couple of minutes and give you some space to speak forgiveness over those people. So whoever it might be, just take a minute there by yourself with the Lord.